If you're interested in listening ad-free, go to patreon.com slash drnosleep. There you can enjoy my ad-free podcast and never have to listen to ads again. That's patreon.com slash drnosleep. Now time for the story. Talk to no sleep. The sky opened wide the day before my daughter disappeared. Unending torrents of rain battered our roof and made the earth uneasy. Chloe loved the rain. She pressed up against the windowsill and stood on her tiptoes earnestly. My wife, Vanessa, and I sat behind her. I wrapped my arm around Vanessa and pulled her in close. We both smiled as Chloe giggled and placed her hands on her face with excitement. Chloe turned to us and said, Look at the little waterfall. She was pointing behind her. I followed her finger and saw that she was pointing at the gutter on our roof. It was spilling over with excess water, creating what looked like a small waterfall, as Chloe astutely pointed out. Yes, it is, sweetie, Vanessa said. Can we go play in it? Chloe asked. Oh, I don't know. It might be too. We sure can, I interrupted and tossed Chloe over my shoulder. I ran into our backyard with her. We were instantly soaking wet and she was squealing with delight. I set her down and grabbed her tiny hands and we started jumping up and down in a circle. We should go get mommy, shouldn't we? I said. Yeah, mommy, mommy, Chloe shouted and we both ran back inside. Vanessa's eyes went wide and she started to back away. No, no, stay away, she yelled while laughing. I grabbed her by the waist and tossed her over my shoulder just like I had with Chloe, albeit with a bit more effort. Vanessa was pounding my back and laughing. John, no, my hair will take forever to dry. Sorry, Ness, Chloe needs her mama. I ran outside with her, Chloe chasing at my heels. Vanessa screamed as the rain drenched her. I set her down. She gasped and pulled her wet hair out of her face and slicked it back. Well, she said, if I'm already out here, she charged at me. I slipped on the wet grass and fell to the ground. We were both laughing as Chloe came over and jumped onto Vanessa's back. We stayed out there laughing and running and dancing until it was clear that Chloe was too cold to remain in the rain. I carried her upstairs to the bath. Vanessa combed her hair after and read her a bedtime story. Chloe kissed us both on the cheek and we told her goodnight. Vanessa and I took a hot shower together, then drifted off gently while embracing each other. I love that girl, I said. So do I, Vanessa said, more than anything. That was a good day. That was the last good day. The following morning, the rain had relented. The ground was still wet and soft, and the sky was overcast. But it looked like the clouds would soon break away and the storm would pass. It was a Sunday, and Chloe was excitedly telling us that her kindergarten class would have a new pet gerbil tomorrow. 
and apparently students would take turns bringing the gerbil home to take care of it. Of course, this mainly meant that the parents would now be occasionally responsible for the rodent. After breakfast, Chloe asked if she could go play in the yard. We agreed, as long as she wore her rain boots and rain jacket and didn't make a big mess with the mud. Chloe ran upstairs and put on her rain clothes. She came back down. She looked so adorable in her pink rubber boots and her pink rain jacket covered in butterflies. Remember, Chloe, I said. Don't go past the green grass. Stay in our yard. Our backyard was a wide open space that led into the forest on the outskirts of our town. I maintained roughly a quarter of an acre of green land, both for the back area to look nice and to remind Chloe of where she was allowed to play on her own. Vanessa and I grabbed cups of coffee and moved into the living room. We snuggled up under a blanket and put on some romantic comedy that Vanessa had been pressuring me to watch for some time. The plot was, of course, stupid and predictable. A guy and a girl were friends since childhood but never got together. Then the girl is off to be married to a different man and the first guy confesses his love for her. She leaves her man at the altar and marries her best friend. I was rolling my eyes by the end, but Vanessa was teary-eyed. So, when she asked me what I thought, I told her I loved it. I remember this so clearly because the life-shattering thing that happened, well, it happened at some point between the start of and the end of that stupid movie. Vanessa stood up and carried our cups to the kitchen. On her way, she passed by the glass screen door that led to our backyard and paused. John, where's Chloe? Hasn't she been playing in the backyard this whole time? Vanessa peered left and right, then slid the door open and called. Chloe! There was no response. Vanessa walked to the front door and checked the porch for our daughter as I now checked the backyard for a second time. Vanessa returned to me. Her movements were much more sporadic and quicker than they had been a moment ago. Still not certain of the level of panic we should have been feeling, we jogged out out of our backyard and into the open area that led to the forest. I peered as far as I could in every direction, trying to spot pink against the fiery colors of autumn. Ness, I said, go to all the neighbors along this side and see if any of them saw Chloe playing out here. I'll look in the forest. Vanessa nodded and ran to the nearest house. I began jogging through the forest while cupping my hands around my mouth and shouting, Chloe! I scoured the ground for footprints but couldn't find anything. As I moved further into the woods, I heard a deep rushing sound I knew it was the river, but I had never heard it from this far before. It sounded much louder. When I made it to the river, I saw why it was louder. The previous storm had caused the river to expand and overflow. It was larger than I had ever seen. The banks that had been worn away created a greater passage for the river to flow through. I approached it somberly. I was looking out at the dark, muddy water when the ground gave way beneath me. 
I caught myself by the back of my arms and climbed back to solid ground. A massive slab of mud had broken away and fallen into the river, the bank receding even farther. Had Chloe come down here? Had she been playing by the river? My heart was beating faster, but there was no sign of her. I turned away from the river and something caught my eye. It looked like hair was spilling out from behind a nearby tree. Chloe! I shouted and ran over to the hair. As I moved to the other side of the tree, I saw that it was not Chloe. It wasn't a person at all. There was an old, naked, plastic doll on the ground. Its pink skin was faded in many places, and its hair was white. It had those strange, spherical eyes that you could roll open and close, but they were currently shut. Was this Chloe's toy? I didn't remember seeing it before, but it was the only discovery on my futile expedition to look for my daughter, so I picked it up. As I lifted it, its eyes shot open, staring at me. For a moment, I was surprised, but then realized that was just how the toy worked. The eyes would roll open and close based on how you moved the doll, or so I thought. I ran home with it. When I entered our home, I found Vanessa weeping. Our neighbor, Mrs. Kelly, was gently rubbing her back and whispering comforts to her. Vanessa heard me come in and looked up. Did you find her? She asked through sobs. I shook my head. I already knew the answer from my wife's current state, but still I asked Mrs. Kelly, has anyone in the neighborhood seen her? No, Mrs. Kelly said in her calm old voice, but we've already called it into the station. An officer will be over here soon and they are recruiting for search parties as we speak. Don't worry, dears, she'll turn up. I'm sure of it. Ness, I said, I found this doll by the river. Is it hers? Vanessa stared at the doll for a moment and then snatched it from my hands. She hugged it tight while she moaned, but she didn't answer me. The doorbell rang. I opened the door to Officer Jacobs. He came in and we discussed what had happened that morning, everything I could remember. I felt my cheeks flush with shame as I explained that we let her play in the yard alone. Of course, he didn't try to make us feel bad about that. Parents let their children play alone all the time. But still, if I had just been watching her, even just through the window. That night I went out with groups of people from our town to sweep through the forest in search of Chloe. Our flashlights searched frantically along the muddy floor, but we found nothing. The next day, we went out again, but we still found nothing. That night, again, nothing. No one wanted to say it to me, but I was almost certain of what had happened. Chloe had stood on uneven ground and slipped into the river. My hope of finding her started to shift to a hope of at least finding her body. Vanessa had not come out on any of the search parties. She withdrew into herself. She rarely spoke or responded to me. It was like she had been zombified, but she always kept that doll with her. One day I came home and saw her combing its hair. 
the doll looked different. Its plastic skin was now clean and its color was an even tone. Vanessa must have washed it at some point, but how could she have corrected the faded color of its skin? I also noticed that its hair was blonde. In fact, it was the same color of blonde as Chloe's hair, but I tried not to think about that. Wasn't its hair white before? I asked. Vanessa turned her head slowly to me. Her eyes had dark bags under them, like she hadn't slept in days. Her hair has always been blonde, she said. Her hair? I questioned. You mean the doll? Vanessa said nothing. She turned away from me and continued to comb the doll's hair. I decided to leave it be. I understood that she was grieving in her own way and I didn't want to do anything to upset her. My boss had offered to let me take some time off work considering what had happened, but I refused. Honestly, I didn't want to be stuck at my house all day. It would have driven me crazy. Working was a way to distract my mind. I didn't have to think about Chloe and I didn't have to sit there with my wife who barely communicated with me. And most importantly, I didn't have to consider the upsetting psychological ramifications of my wife coddling a doll I found in the woods. But things continued to get stranger. One day I came home and found the doll sitting at the dinner table. It was dressed in familiar clothes. Vanessa was cooking dinner. Her skin was paler than I remembered. What is that doll wearing? I asked, even though I already knew the answer. Oh, Vanessa said. I didn't want her to be naked, so I put some old clothes on her. You put Chloe's old baby clothes on the doll? I put her clothes on, yes, Vanessa responded, not looking at me. I stared at the doll. It looked even newer than I remembered. Its skin was bright and smooth. It had a faint smile and its eyes looked forward into nothing. I hated its little smile. Vanessa, this needs to stop. She stopped chopping the carrots in front of her and turned to me, the knife still in her hand. What needs to stop? It's just, it seems odd. This doll isn't, you know. Vanessa burst into tears. What are you saying? She wailed. Why are you being so cruel? Okay, okay, I said while trying to comfort her. I'm sorry, forget I said anything. I just want you to be okay. I held her close and waited for her to calm down. To my surprise, she actually embraced me and she seemed to be feeling better. Do you want to watch a movie tonight as a family? She asked. Of course. I said, and kissed her gently. We sat down on the couch, and I discovered what she meant when she said, as a family. Vanessa placed the doll between her and myself and wrapped her arm around it. I was becoming increasingly uncomfortable. She was obsessed with it. I couldn't bear to say it out loud, but I knew she was treating the doll as if it were Chloe. And I was all the more upset by the fact that the doll really did look like Chloe. At least, now it did. 
It looked like her more and more every day. But had it looked like her when I found it? Hadn't it been old and dirty with white hair? I watched the doll's face as the light from the television danced across it. It just sat there, smiling, its smooth eyes reflecting the scenes from the movie. I looked at Vanessa. She seemed somewhat happy, but still her face looked sickly, her eyes vacant. I forced myself to stay and watch for her sake, but the second the movie ended, I went to bed. The following week, things got worse. Every day when I returned from work, Vanessa was cuddling and stroking that doll. Vanessa had grown extremely pale and thin. The bags under her eyes were almost black, giving a sunken effect to her face. She was always frowning, and the doll was always smiling. One night we had another storm, not nearly as bad as the last one, but I remember thinking how much Chloe would have loved it. Then I felt unbearably alone in my grief, as I knew that I couldn't bring up our real daughter to Vanessa. That night I went downstairs to get a glass of water when I saw something that made my heart skip. There was a flash of lightning that illuminated the living room and for a moment I saw something sitting by the window. I flipped the light to the room on, just in front of our window, the one Chloe used to lean on and look through, was Chloe's little armchair. We had bought her a small chair that matched my large one, and she enjoyed sitting in it while copying whatever I did. But now, sitting in that chair was the doll. It was wearing Chloe's clothes, sitting in Chloe's chair and watching the rain just like Chloe had. Why the hell had Vanessa done this? This was beyond questionable coping mechanisms for grief. This was pathological. I walked up to the chair and saw the doll's face. Its cheeks looked rosy and vibrant. It sat there with its small, infuriating smile. Reaching to remove the doll, I immediately recoiled as I touched its skin. It felt alive. The skin of the doll didn't feel like plastic. It felt like human skin. It even had a warmth to it. Ever so slowly, I leaned closer to the doll. Part of me wanted to run as fast as I could, but another part of me needed to investigate further to understand this horror. I placed my ear right on the doll's tiny chest, and there it was. Bum, 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 bum. A heartbeat. I jumped away in terror. Still, the doll just sat and stared at the rain. The early signs of morning began to lighten the clouds. This couldn't go on. I didn't know what was happening or how it was happening, but I knew my wife needed help and I knew this doll was something vile. I ran upstairs, prepared to drag my wife from our home into a hospital or a psych ward, no matter how much she protested. I grabbed her wrist and began to pull her from the bed. Her hand was icy cold at the touch. Vanessa, I said, no response. I grabbed her by the shoulders and shook her violently but she showed no signs of waking. She looked like a decaying corpse. Her hair was white. I put my ear against her chest. There was no sound. My wife was dead. What's wrong with mommy? A soft voice spoke behind me. I felt sick. I knew that voice. I knew it so well. 
I turned around. There she was, Chloe, standing in the doorway. Only I knew it wasn't really her. It looked like her and sounded like her, but it was that monstrous doll. It had grown to Chloe's size and now appeared completely human. It was wearing one of Chloe's dresses covered in flowers. Standing motionless for a moment, I soon resolved myself to what I needed to do. Follow me, I said, and walked downstairs. Okay, Daddy, it said excitedly. I brought it into the backyard and walked with it into the forest. The day was bright now, and there was only a little drizzle. Yay, we are going on a walk, said, and twirled my daughter's dress back and forth. We were close to the river when it began to whine. Daddy, will you carry me? My feet hurt. I hesitated. I didn't want to touch it, but I also wanted it to trust me. I wanted it to think that I was deceived, just as my wife had been. I picked it up. It felt just like Chloe. It smelled just like Chloe. We reached the river, and I held the creature out at arm's length, over the edge of the bank. The river was still raging, and it was dark with mud and debris. The thing that looked like Chloe stared at me. Its eyes glimmered with fear. Daddy, you're scaring me. I'm not your dad, I said. Daddy, I don't want to drown. It screamed in Chloe's voice. I don't know who you are, but you aren't my daughter. You're some evil that I can't comprehend, preying on poor broken people who are grieving, using them for their love and affection. You killed my wife, but I need to know, did you kill my daughter? The thing was sobbing and begging me to let it go. I shook it in the air and yelled, Did you kill her? Did you kill Chloe? Daddy, please, I am Chloe. No, I wish you were her. You don't know how badly I wish you were her, but you aren't. Chloe is dead, and she isn't coming back, I said, and I flung the thing as hard as I could into the river. It landed on a protruding rock with a sickening crack. Red was oozing from the back of its skull and flowing into the river. As the blood drained from it, so did its color. The skin began to fade, the hair pale. It started to shrink. A rushing of water flowed over the rock and swept the thing away under the river. Looking down the river, I saw it bob to the surface. The doll looked exactly as it had when I found it for the first time. White hair and an old, dirty plastic body. Its eyes were closed again, and still it had that placid smile on its face. The doll floated down the river, then rounded a corner and disappeared from my view. For a moment, I tried to comprehend the thing. I wondered where it had come from and where it would go. How many lives had it invaded before mine? I imagined it was something ancient, something that couldn't be understood. It was a rot, a disease that crept into the lives of those who were broken and vulnerable. I thought that maybe I should hunt it down and destroy it. But somehow, I knew that it was impossible. All I could do was pray that whoever it found next could reject its lie as I had. All I could do was let go and move on. I turned my back on the river and lifted my head to the sky, feeling the sweet and gentle drizzle of rain 
caress my face. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I want to give you all a quick heads up regarding some upcoming political ads you may start hearing leading up to this year's presidential election. These ads do not represent my own political viewpoint. So if you hear a political ad play on the podcast and it's not in my own voice, then it has absolutely nothing to do with me personally as a podcaster. Thank you again for being a dedicated listener of mine, and I can't wait to have another amazing year with you guys. I'll see you in the next episode.